0: Everybody, thank you for tuning in to Sunday School Bonanza, brought to you by This Week in Mormons. We are delighted to be here with you today, bringing you the best of gospel doctrine and just getting you ready for Sunday so you can be in a happier place. And if I feel or sound a little off my game this week, it's because this is a Google Hangout, and I'm joined by Mormon Media Review's very own Grady Kerr. Am I saying your last name correctly?
1: You are. You are correct. Yeah, we're just hanging out having a good time talking about Sunday School.
0: We're hanging out. But, of course, I, I'm all for it. Grady, give us a quick plug of what you do over at Mormon Media Reviews. You've earned it. You've joined
1: me. Please. So, basically, over at Mormon Media Reviews, we realize that as members of the church, we sometimes have different expectations or standards that most of the world has when it comes to quality cinema. And so we try to take movies that are out and review them for the quality that they have, you know, whether or not it's going to be an enjoyable experience, but then also the content that they have to make sure that you also feel comfortable while you're there. Um, nothing's worse than going to a movie and finding content that you find objectionable, and then being faced with that, you know, that young woman's problem where you have to now do I get up and walk out of the movie theater or what do I do? So our job is to never make have you have you go through that. We want you to know ahead of time.
0: That's perfect. So there you go. So guys, go there to mormonmediareviews.com, dot com. I believe it is, and uh, correct. Hang out with great, people. And besides, I wrote an article about Arrested Development for them. So why would you not want to go there? All right. So this week's lesson, lesson number 24. Great lesson. It's called be not deceived, but continue in steadfastness. So really what we're talking about here is apostasy, but more specifically personal apostasy, not the great apostasy. But there's a lot of great material here in this lesson. And to lead out, I kind of love the attention activity. Like everyone knows, if you're a longtime Sunday school Bonanza listener, I get a kick out of these things. But this one, here we go. Write the following phrases on the chalkboard. Or if your teacher shows up, and actually brings a pint of cream or a misspelled name or a diagram showing no seating available at the Kirtland Temple dedication, the teacher might ask you, well, they'll say, all these things have something in common. What are they? And the answer is they are all reasons for early members of the church to apostatize. So there you go. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, One great thing we need to do, though, is to recognize the deceptions of Satan that can lead us into apostasy. And that can be really hard. I, I can really imagine... Thinking about the early days of the church, people believed in the prophet Joseph Smith, but if he was able to lay claim to everything that happened, how easy was it going to be to, to run off with a James Strang or a Thomas B. Marsh or uh, or I'm going to talk about right here or a Hiram Page? And, and I can understand that mindset in a way to say, well, Joseph Smith said he had these experiences. Why can't Hiram Page have some experiences? You know, right? So uh, a quick one that happened here was Hiram Page was one of the eight witnesses of the Book of Mormon, and he possessed a stone... Uh, through which he claimed to receive revelation. This is very similar, of course, to the actual account of the Book of Mormon being translated with the stone in the hat and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and many people were deceived, even Oliver Cowdery, the, Whitner, the Whitmers. Uh, many started to believe him. And this is how we actually received Section 28 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which uh, discusses how the prophet himself prayed about the matter. And Section 28 explains that only the president of the church has the right to receive revelation for the entire church, not someone such as Hiram Page Uh, in his position, for example.
1: And one of the things that I like here is that Joseph didn't just come right out and say, no, Joseph, this is completely bonkers. He went and asked the Lord and said, hey, Joseph is saying that, or Hiram's saying this, Hiram Page, I don't, you know, is this true? Is this really revelation that he's receiving? And then gets the answer from the Lord. And I love this pattern that we see in the Doctrine and Covenants, where it's always question, answer, question, answer. Exactly, and that's like
0: what—that's why the whole section exists. i mean, oh, the
1: whole—the
0: whole volume exists solely because of question and answer. So uh, we're gonna go through some other ones here. I think Grady was gonna talk about pride because you yeah. love Thomas B. Marsh. He's I a, do, a Thomas B. Member.
1: Marsh. Um, I have nothing to do with Thomas B. Marsh, but you know he is the—the uh, the one that got in a, a tiff about some cream, and I'll skip the story, but okay. just the idea is that you know he—he he left the church and he spent a lot of time. He, he even went to Governor Boggs. And said, hey, these Mormons are quarrelsome, they're violent, you need to do something about it. It's crazy, yeah. You know, and it's part of the reason that 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 extermination order was created. But then he, he over time, realizes the mistake that he made, and he goes back to, uh, to bring him young and apologizes. And one of the things that he says that I really like, uh, he says, I began to uh, awake to a sense of my situation. I know that I have sinned against heaven in thy sight— uh, and then he described that uh the Lord could get along very well without me and he has lost nothing by my failing out of the ranks, falling out of the ranks. But, oh, what have I lost? And I think that that's kind of the, yeah. th- the thing that people get upset and they get angry and they think, well, I'll show them. I'm going to go away. And although I'm sure the Lord is grieved, I don't think it stops the progress of the Lord and the progress of his work. But a lot of times those who leave, they are the ones that miss out. They're the ones that miss the blessings. And, and it's great when they come back. So, you know, when they have that yeah, humility to sure. recognize that.
0: Absolutely. And it's funny you say that. I'm, I'm going to jump here a little bit to being offended because you really alluded to that. I, I love there was a great talk. Uh, how many years has it been now? Maybe five years since Elder Bednar gave a talk about being offended. I love it. Probably even longer than that. Terrific talk if you look it up. It was a general conference address, I think in April. might have been like April 2007, actually. But not to be offended and how, how much that can mess people up because we can choose to be offended. And for example, in the Kirtland Temple, um, there were many people who wanted to be there, obviously, but it filled up quickly. They ran out of space. They repeated dedicatory sessions, but there wasn't enough for some people, like uh, Elder Fraser Eaton, who gave $700, which in the time of the Kirtland Saints was no small a bit of change by any stretch of the imagination, and he wanted to be there, but he could never get in to go to a dedicatory session, so what happened? He eventually apostatized and left the church out of how anger, angry he was from
1: not being able to be at the
0: dedication, which I can understand feeling disappointed, but at the same time, he just jump ship after that.
1: I'm to not being able to buy his way into the uh, celestial room. Yes. He cannot <laughs> buy his way into the celestial kingdom. And uh, one of the other great ones here,
0: being critical of leaders' imperfections. This one cracks me up because there was a guy, um, Simon's Rider, was called to do all this great stuff. But in the text, they spelled his name R-I-D-E-R, and it was an R-Y-D-E-R. And because of that spelling imperfection, he doubted the actual divinity of his call to the work.
1: And Because just- of... That. It, it's so crazy because back then, I mean, everything was spelled wrong. You know, the English yeah, language I mean, really wasn't as as clearly defined as it is and today. They were,
0: and these are Midwesterners. I mean, what do we expect?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Al. But, but but as someone who has my first name has been
0: misspelled by many throughout my days, and where would I be if I became so offended or 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 disenchanted because of people's alleged imperfections with constantly spelling my name with a J? That you know, I, I I did not believe that they could possibly hold the divine authority to guide me in any way. It's just funny to think about.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you know, these things like a misspelling of a name. Sometimes it's they just take it out of con or they take it exaggerated. Sure. But sometimes it's a mask. Um, we had a bishop that gave a great talk. He talked about the path to apostasy, and of course it's not you know all exact, but the themes there are really important. I liked. He talked about one of the first steps is complacency. Um yeah, for sure. You know, uh probably as, as a former eligible president, you know, those who, who choose not to home teach, you don't make it a priority. Or, you know, he says people that are active in the church but not active in the gospel. Um, Once they kind of get I like that it. complacency, they uh, start making personal exceptions. You know, why certain things are okay. Maybe a, a teenager thinks that, you know, it's okay to get too intimate to, on a date or, or borrowing something from your job site, which is really stealing it. Right. Uh, he talks about then you you start b- making exceptions to the norm, um, or I'm sorry, the exceptions become the norm. You know, yeah. you you get away with it. You don't feel bad, and so you start doing those same things. You start lying, and and then he says one, well, the fourth one is seeking justification. And I think that's sometimes okay. where the offense comes. You know, well, you know, I would keep the commandments, but so and so spelled my name wrong, and so it must not be important. <laughs> um And then we start getting critical of God's servants that's five that's five six okay. is our withdrawal from God as we start distancing ourselves from the church and its organization we also distance ourselves from God because that's where we get that spiritual nourishment and then number seven is uh is despondency and antagonism okay and I think that's one of the ones that you know is uh, that's the apex because I always it always seems to me like a lot of people when they they might leave the church but they just can't leave it alone and I think we see yeah. that I see that a lot in kind of the social I, media age.
0: Yeah, I feel like I see that more too for those who leave the church. There are very few who are kind of, oh, this isn't for me but live and let live. I think it's because Mormondom is so uh, just all consuming when it comes to the lifestyle and everything it involves. And so if we leave the faith and, and in some sense we uh, we leave the flock, the society, and it can it proves very difficult for people who make those choices. So here's my question then. Grady, maybe you can answer. Um so what do we do then to to be valiant, to avoid deception, to stay away from this stuff and and, and make sure that we come out okay on the other side? What, how can
1: we avoid personal apostasy? You know, I liked the talk by Elder L. Whitney Clayton uh, in the April 2013 session of conference. Is that because he's from Orange County, like both of us? It might be a little bit of an okay. affinity towards him because of that. His, okay. his brother was my stake president, and I, he was a great oh, cool. stake president. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I, and they look alike, so... I get mixed up sometimes between the two. But uh, he gave us – You get so excited every Sunday. I know. i like, I'm he like there he 70. is. Oh, no. But his talk was actually on marriage. <laughs> but the idea, yeah. you know, with, with us in the church, you know, there is still a marriage there. And the same themes apply. And one of the things he talked about um, was humility in that. And that's one of the things I think is important to say, you know what? my bishop gave me advice. I don't think it was good advice, you know, but that's okay because he's trying his best and I respect that. And, you know, I'm going to try his advice and see what happens or, or I tried it and it didn't work out like I was hoping, you know, and being humble to say, that's okay. You know, let's figure this out. Um,
0: exactly. One of the other, awesome.
1: Th- other things I think is, is interesting too. I, I wrote a blog post about kind of the new anti-Mormon literature where before, right. before it was always about, you know, things against the church and, but now I think there's this kind of subtle wave, of kind of saying, you know, you can go to church, but don't do the things you don't like. You know, um, there was a popular Mormon uh, personality, uh, and she's and she referred to it as as being a buffet Mormon and picking and choosing the things that you want okay. to do, you know, or the commandments you want to keep. And uh, I like because Elder Clayton kind of, he says in it, and this is referring to, to keeping your marriage strong, but he says uh, about couples, they do not consider the commandments to be a buffet from which they pick and choose only the most appealing offerings. And I think that's a big thing is is making sure that the gospel isn't something that's casual, you know. but having that zeal and that excitement for the gospel and having that keeping going. Yeah, well, there we go. I think that's perfect. And the great thing is that sometimes
0: it's a struggle. I think it can be very easy to get caught up and so many of these things that are start picking and choosing our, uh, the vehicles for salvation that, that, we, uh, that we stick with or, you know, or doubting the veracity of, of, a, you know, of a prophet. I mean, I saw people when President Monson came in over five years ago who struggled. There are many people who would honestly feel like, no, but President Hinckley was the prophet. How do I know President Monson is a prophet today? But the great thing is, just like it says in the New Testament, by their fruits, you shall know them. And that applies completely. We should study the scriptures and we should make sure that what the prophet teaches us is in line with the scriptures. But at the same time, recognizing that the prophet is the one individual on the earth who possesses the ability to potentially supplant uh, anything other, any other counsel that has been received up to this point. You know, whether it's uh, a matter of a program or a practice, doctrinal clarification, whatever it may be, uh, the modern day prophet, of course, is the person that's best in the position to uh, to do those things.
1: Yeah, and I loved uh, President Hinckley. He was the prophet, you know, basically of my youth where I was yeah, old too. enough yes. to know what was going on. And when he passed away, I was really bummed out. And I, I, I like President Monson too, but there was a, a little bit of, of a of a hole there, you know, where President, President Hinckley was passed away. But then I remember during the Saturday session of General Conference raising my hand to the square and sustaining so the prophet. I remember the spirit that I felt. And it, and it was confirmation for me to know that that's who the mantle was placed on. You know, this is the way the church is run is that he was, President Hinkley was the prophet. And when he passes away, that mantle is passed on to someone else, in this case, President Monson. And he's the one that God chose to direct the church. And, you know, I think that's an important thing to draw back on when you have these spiritual experiences and write them in your journal so that you can go back to it. Yeah,
0: and I think that's a great perspective to have. It's very easy to 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 really mix up our emotional attachment to leaders in the church compared to the simple, the divine counsel they give us. And that could be a great example right there of struggling to adapt to the change that can come, even though that's what's ordained by God, solely because of the other attachments we have. Because I feel the same way. President Hinckley was the prophet of my entire adolescence, you know? And President Monson was always around, but it did feel different for me at first when he was called as the prophet. But of course, I've seen now in the five years he's been, uh, I don't want to say his administration has been in effect, but- uh, His reign? You've seen his reign, (laughs) yes. (laughs) his tyrannical reign, the despot. Um, But uh, it's been great to see everything that's happened and how different it is from President Hinckley and the the things that have happened that I would not have expected at the same time. And I know that those things are divine and they're an enormous blessing to all of us. I mean, I think about things like changing the missions of the church and adding the fourth one to care for the poor. How much was that lacking for so long? And we probably didn't even really realize it, but it takes a current prophet with the disposition of President Monson to bring that to pass. And I think that's great because prophets are still men. They're humans, but they are uh, men who can seek that divine inspiration to guide us. It's a really wonderful blessing. And 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 I think
1: think it follows that pattern where they, you know, sometimes different prophets ask about different things. You know, maybe that was something that that President Monson said is that, you know, I have a tender place in my heart for widows and the needy. What can I do to help them? And, and, you know, receive a revelation that, hey, let's change the missions of the church. You know, those exactly. are, those are the things that having different prophets, different perspectives, you know, you get different revelations because of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, folks, we hope that you will take some of these thoughts as you go in there and really think about what could lead you into personal apostasy and what you do to stay on the straight and narrow and what you do to maintain your testimony. I think that's the best thing you can take from this lesson personally and what can be of use to you. Uh, we encourage you to find us at thisweekinmormons.com. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher Radio, uh, Facebook.com slash This Weekend Mormons at The Real Twim on Twitter and whatever. Find us anywhere you want. You just look for it on Google and it just shows up like wizardry. Grady, it's magic. I would, like to, I would like to thank Grady from Mormon Media Reviews for joining me on this Sunday School Bonanza episode. It was a lot of fun. Anytime, I'd be glad to come back. Oh, of course. We'd love to have you. Really great to be here. And of course, please visit his site. It's, uh, I think, in our day and age when, when we can trust the uh, Motion Picture Association of America less and less with their ratings. It's nice to have people who kind of have our back as Latter-day Saints to help us develop our own, our own good knowledge of what to expect when we want to view media content, which is a huge part of our lives. So that's terrific. Uh, folks, this has been Lesson 24 called Be Not Deceived, But Continue in Steadfastness. This has been Sunday School Bonanza, brought to you by This Week in Mormons, and we will talk to you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye great